Welcome to the Gay Buddhist Forum, where teachers from all schools of Buddhism offer their perspectives on the Dharma and its application in modern times, especially for LGBTQI audiences. These talks are offered freely to the world and made possible by appreciative listeners. If you would like to support our efforts to share the Dharma with underserved audiences, please visit gaybuddhist.org. There you can donate, find a list of upcoming speakers, or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 1996. This morning's speaker is uh, Lydia Richards. It's her first time here at Lydia. Vivacious uh, uh, woman who I met for the first time this morning. Lydia holds degrees in psychology and divinity. Uh, she has experience as a CEO, an author, a public speaker, pastor, hospice, chaplain, workshop leader, and wife and mother of five. Now she will speak about mindfulness from a cross-cultural approach. Lydia? Thank you. And thank you for inviting me here. Um, I was asked at the door um, by a gentleman, um, so what's your background that you would be speaking here? And I had to say rather sheepishly, well, it would be uh, that I'm a Presbyterian minister. <laughs> Which you kind of be curious about. And um, I, I actually left the Presbyterian Church in 1995 in protest to their unwillingness to ordain, they said, single sexually active people. Um, and, um, and took some time away from the church that proved to be a great blessing in my life, um, rather than uh, falling away from what I had been taught. I fell away from the church and fell very much in love with the, the teachings of Jesus. And as I did that, I found um, a oneness in what he taught, and it began my search uh, through a lot of other religious traditions, uh, Buddhism being one of them, and came to find that there is a universality, a, a, um, there are timeless truths in the traditions that we hold in common. So that's really why I'm here today. So we will begin this morning in my garden. We have a, a large plot and this last spring, I decided that I wanted to, to plant a great vegetable garden. I decided that I wanted to grow tomatoes, so I planted leeks. Funny though, I didn't get any tomatoes. I thought I'd try it again. That time I thought I would try strawberries, so I planted basil. But, you know, I got out there at harvest and there was not a strawberry in the patch. In fact, there was no patch. Now, of course, it would be ridiculous if anybody were ever really to try to grow one thing by planting something else. But the stranger thing is that we do it all the time. And that's what I'd like to talk about this morning. What we plant in our lives and what we grow. Um, it's my hope that we'll leave this morning um, 
with uh, perhaps a different understanding. We're looking at mindfulness, but because I come from uh, a different background than yours, I'm approaching it in what might be a different approach than, than you're accustomed to. I'm hoping that as we leave this morning, you will have uh, new tools uh, in your toolbox when it comes to mindfulness, and that you would be inspired to take perhaps a different look at what you're planting and what you're growing. So that's where we're headed. Um, we're going to play this morning with the image of our minds being gardens. And in that, every one of our thoughts is a seed, metaphorically speaking. And every seed thought grows. If that's the only part you get for this morning, it's every seed thought grows. And what do they grow? Well, they, of course, they grow more of their kind. So if I'm going to be using the term abundance as, as sort of where we're headed in life, I don't mean that in, in terms of uh, riches or, uh, although if that's part of your picture of an abundant life, I suppose so. Um, I'm talking about a whole life where you are fulfilled. So as we are uh, creating abundant lives, we, um, the first step is, is to look at what we're planting and what we're growing. So uh, most of us would be, um, you know, we're pretty clear that our actions produce results in our lives. You know, if you meet a friend on the street and you give them a big hug and a smile, well, you're likely to elicit all that back. In contrast, if you walk up to somebody and poke them in the nose, you're likely to get a whole different response. We know since our childhood that what we do produces results. But I think most of us really underestimate how powerful our thinking is, our own private thoughts that seem to, to come and go without consequence. Um, I believe that we underestimate how powerful our thoughts are. Our thoughts are extraordinarily powerful, Herculean. They are, our thoughts, our private thoughts, are what forms us and what shapes us into who we are and to who we are becoming. Uh, every bitter thought grows more hatred. Every greedy thought grows more materialism. We might not see it thought to thought, but the cumulative effect is um, every thought of uh, separation between you and me grows yet more distance and less understanding. So, so that's the bad news. Uh, the good news is that we have a choice about what it is that we are going to grow, what we're going to plant and what we're going to grow. Because not only do our, our um, uncaring or judgmental thoughts grow, but our abundant, life-giving thoughts grow too, just as surely. So we are able to choose then what it is that we're going to be planting. And the first step comes from your tradition, most certainly, and that is just noticing. Noticing our own thinking. What a gift this is to the world. 
that has informed many religious traditions, your concept of mindfulness and just noticing your own thinking, not judging it, um, not um, figuring it out, but just noticing. And, and I would point you too to noticing not only what you're thinking, but asking yourself, what might that grow? That thought that just passed through? If that put down roots and grew bigger in my life, what is it that that would grow? That thought. And as we notice our own thinking, we become aware that not only do our harsh thoughts grow, but our life-giving, abundant thoughts grow too. Every thought of compassion grows more compassion in me and you're adding it to the universe. Every um, forgiving thought grows more forgiveness. Uh, every kind and generous thought grows more peace. Every thought grows. So if you take a close look, I believe that you find what I find. And that is that, um, that each thought that I have grows and I am living the product of all of my thinking. So I am growing in my life exactly what I planted, though not always what it was that I intended to be growing. So how you ended up here, in this place this morning, and this place in your life, um, is the result of what you have been planting, right? the thoughts that you have been growing in your life. You, and only you, get to determine exactly what it is that you will grow. Uh, in fact, I, I believe that... Um, that as we think a thought, particularly if we have a habit of thinking that thought, it's as though the universe rushes in to cooperate with us and says, oh, yes, you're right. That is how the world is. That, that outlook that you have is correct. It's as though the universe doesn't judge our thoughts, but merely helps all of them grow. I know a person who kind of he kind of goes around like this, and he's pretty sure everybody's out to screw him, to sue him, to take advantage of him. And guess what? It is. It's as though the universe is saying to him in a million ways, you are absolutely right. They're all out to get you. He gets sued more than anybody, probably more than all of us put together. Because that is what he has created in his life, assuring us that the world is out to sue him. By contrast, I have a friend, actually, she, she left this world uh, a couple of years ago. Her name was Angel, not coincidentally. And Angel was about a thousand years old. She, um, she had the opposite. Um, she planted for her whole life the opposite idea, which was that... The world is safe. People can be trusted. Um, she was an extraordinarily generous woman. Um, she was a, quite absent-minded, however. And she had a little uh, coin purse. And she didn't keep her ID in it. She just kept her money in it. She was at the mall with her grandchildren, and she set it down on the bench and uh, walked away. 
and the purse was turned in. No ID. The purse was turned in, and the $240 that was in it was turned in, too. And then she left it at the gas station, and it got turned in. And before she died, I kind of got to wondering if it wasn't a game for her to see how fast her coin purse could ricochet back into her hands. <laughs> she was a recipient of unbelievable generosity and gifts because that was how she held the world. It was Einstein who said that the, the great question that's before each of us is whether or not we believe the world is a friendly place. And whether or not you hold the world as a friendly place is, how you're, is what you're planting in your life. Uh, and I believe that the universe will rush in to cooperate with you and confirm for you, no matter how you hold the world, friendly or not, you are absolutely right. So I believe the universe does create, create for us the picture that we hold. So the good news is that we have a choice about what it is that we are going to be planting. And as I said, the first step, the first step is just noticing. Noticing what you're thinking and noticing what that particular thought might grow in your life. So I'd ask you to just close your eyes. We're just going to do this for just a minute. And ask you just to notice. Notice what you're thinking in this moment. What are your thoughts about being here this morning? About the people who are sitting near you? What are your thoughts about me? What are your thoughts about yourself? What are your thoughts about your life these days? Okay, you can go ahead and open your eyes. So as you scan, I, I didn't mention this to you, this is an interactive presentation. Um, as, you, as you scan and think, um, it's as though we have a constant narrator who's thinking things for us, and we can, we can touch in and recognize that there's a part of our brain that's sort of always thinking thoughts. And as they come across the screen, we, can, we end up actually... Um, becoming aware that our mind is taking us places that maybe we are, are unfamiliar with. I say that recognizing that you all are probably way ahead of the rest of the world uh, in noticing your own thinking. Um, the, the, the place I would point you is, and what will that grow? If that, if that thought persists, what will that grow? Um, there's an author named James Allen uh, and he wrote a little book about a hundred years ago, and it's called As a Man Thinketh. You can tell it's a hundred years old. As a, we'll call it As a Person Thinketh. Um, James Allen said that um, 
just as a gardener cultivates his or her plot, keeping it free from weeds and growing the fruits and flowers they desire, so may each person tend the garden of their own mind, weeding out useless thoughts and cultivating to perfection the fruits and flowers that he desires. So we have a first step of noticing, and the next step that I would invite you toward is weeding, looking at those thoughts that are not going to grow what it is you want to grow. And, and hear me, it's not because the thoughts are bad or wrong, but because they are not going to grow in your life what it is that you want to grow. So a weed for our purposes this morning is any thought that is not going to grow what you want to harvest. Uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna walk through a, a few potentially weedy areas. And the first one is really easy because it's indulging. It's indulging in any thought that you already know is not going to grow what you want. There are plenty of times where we go on and we continue our course thinking something that we know is going to be a useless direction. One that comes to mind is that I can get a really good mad on sometimes. Um, I, I decide that someone's really wrong about something and that I just coincidentally happen to be really right about that same thing. And, and I can let my mind go in how wrong they are and how right I am. I have imaginary conversations. You know those things that you wish you'd been able to get the words together when you were actually in the conversation? So then I do that. And this is hugely destructive because that is planting the very thing I don't want to grow. It's indulging in that. That's that the um, the weed of indulging shows up in, in lots of ways. That's just one of them. I'll be in my shower and I'll be cussing the person out with just perfect wit, that kind of thing. That's indulging in in thinking that is not going to grow what I want. If I continue to indulge the thought that this person is really a terrible thing in my life, well, guess what? I get more more of a terrible thing in my life. I had a friend who, who needed to do some weeding. Um, she, um, she was in a committed relationship, and she indulged in her fantasy about a man who was at uh, the club where she worked out. Interestingly, she never even talked to him. But, um, but she, her, her mind was fantasizing, and at the same time, her life at home with her partner was getting cold and distant, and she realized, oh, that this is actually not a good influence. This is not what I want to grow in my life. And she was able to just set that, that fantasy aside. Um, interestingly, my, I, I have um, a friend who teaches, she and her husband teach a tantric sex workshop. And part of what they do is help couples to be able to use fantasies of, that you have about other people to actually enhance your primary relationship. So in that case, it wouldn't be a weed. You see where I'm going? So 
in my friend's case, the fantasy was something that was growing something she didn't want. Not that the fantasy part's bad, because you can actually use it to grow something you do want. So the question to look at is, is your thinking growing what you want? And indulging is, is one of the, the easiest to spot, because you, we kind of know when we do it, right? Um, yeah, so anything that grows what you don't. Another place where, um, where weeds show up a lot is in our self-talk. What we tell ourselves about ourselves. One person writes, I am are potent words. Be real careful what you hitch into. I am, I'm not, I should, I shouldn't. The self-talk oftentimes are weeds. I had a friend I was, okay, I'll tell you the truth, it was my mother. I was, <laughs> don't tell her I told you that. <laughs> we were shopping and we were, um, we were trying on clothes and in the dressing room and she looked in the mirror and she said, oh, I'm so fat, it's disgusting. I had to catch my breath. What is that going to grow? Certainly not the vitality and the wellness and health that she would be wanting to grow in her life. Quite the contrary. So, yeah, what we say about ourselves. I'm not very good at what? I should be more. I'm not very good at, let's hear a couple. Speaking out loud? <laughs> Getting places on time. Getting places on time, there you go. Being honest. Being honest, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Being vulnerable. Ah, yeah, being vulnerable, right. Keeping up the email. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get in your way, huh? Just tell them your system crashed. <laughs> your inner system. <laughs> <laughs> we have a whole barrage of I'm, I'm not that good at, I should be better at, I should, I shouldn't. Interestingly, when it comes to our the self-talk kind of weeds, oftentimes we didn't even plant those ourselves. We had some uh, loving parent or teacher or friend who planted that self-talk perhaps a long, long time ago. And it would be lovely if they would come along and they would help us weed that back out. But that's not usually how it happens because now it's growing in your mind and it's up to you to weed. So we, we notice and then we read. Um, Mahatma Gandhi said, I will not let anyone walk on my mind with their dirty feet. Oftentimes, we do let other people plant weeds about who we are in our own mind. We, we let them walk on our mind with their dirty feet. So I would just point you to, to what, what do you say about yourself, to yourself? What are those messages that you continue to deliver they are extraordinarily powerful. The next uh, weedy area I want to bring up is that of assumptions. 
Um, in fact, let's start it this way. So, um, well, you can just use me. I was going to say, look at somebody you don't know. Well, okay, you don't know me. Um, so, and just just for fun, um, think to yourself, what do you assume about um, maybe my education, my professional life? What do you assume about my political affiliation? What do you assume about how I keep my home? What do you assume about my diet and exercise? What do you assume about my spiritual practices? What do you assume about my sex life? About my finances? <clears throat> what do you assume I'm thinking and feeling as I'm sitting up here? So what did you notice? Did you notice that you could kind of come up with stuff? I always can. <laughs> you don't know me, but that doesn't stop you. I mean, if you're like me. <laughs> I'll speak for myself. If the exercise had been reversed and I were to be looking at you, imagining, assuming about you, I could come up with a lot of things. Oftentimes, our assumptions are weeds. They are going to grow what we do not want to grow. And we are, by nature, assumption-producing machines. We do it continuously. There's a constant narrator going. If I ask you to assume anything about me, you probably can come up with something. Recognizing it's an assumption, okay. There's nothing wrong with assumptions. In fact, I think that's a lot of how we survive in the world, is we, we kind of size people up and make some assumptions and nothing wrong with that as long as we are aware that those are assumptions. Check them out. Mostly we assume and then we go on as if it were so. Um, this is especially hard in relationships. Um, it wasn't that long ago I was I was in the kitchen, and it was late. Uh, it was like 7 o'clock, and I didn't have any idea what we were going to have for dinner, and I was looking through the cupboards and trying to throw something together. And my husband walked in and said in kind of an announcing way, Man, I'm hungry. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, my assumptions just went flying. Assumptions like... Um, he, he thinks dinner should be ready already. Um, he probably thinks I should already have it on. He doesn't appreciate how hard I've been working today. Um, he probably doesn't probably doesn't even understand how hard I work. And by the way, when was the last time he made dinner anyway? And I could just get on a roll. Well, I, I'm, I'm grateful that I had been about the work of looking at my thinking and looking at my assumptions. Thank you for listening to the Gay Buddhist Forum. If you would like to hear several new talks per month and be notified of upcoming speakers so you can participate live, please subscribe to this podcast, like us on Facebook, and join our mailing list by visiting gaybuddhist.org.